The US Open is at Pebble Beach this year. The USGA is again on center stage. What can we expect from the US Open? Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart with another episode of Data Access Golf, the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Again, a preview of the U.S. Open. Super excited to get things going to see how that turns out. Pebble Beach is a really special part of the world. It is Mike Davis said earlier this week that it is a national treasure, and it is, and we hope that it stays that way after the USGA has their way with it. Um, I know that I've been uh, quite critical of the USGA as of late. I think many of us have because of the course setup. I uh, definitely, I spoke recently about Brooks Kepka, and I thought that his take was brilliant on the course setup. He just doesn't care. I wish, I guess I could have more of that attitude, but it does bother me when the USGA tries to, it feels like they're trying to embarrass the best players in the world uh, because, I don't know, it just feels like sort of like out of spite because they're not the best players in the world and so they want to somehow or another torment and torture other people. I don't know if that's just, uh, and it sounds awful, but um, it happens so frequently you just don't know what to say about it. It just doesn't make any sense. I We understand that, you can have a, a good test of golf and you do want to make the U.S. Open more difficult. That's what we've known the U.S. Open to always be. But to make it mm, borderline unplayable doesn't seem to be really uh, great, right? And they've, they've taken heat. They've taken heat because of it. But we're at a special place this week. You, uh, there's not a lot you can do with Pebble Beach because it is iconic. It is just basically there and there, you can't expand it. You can't make it bigger. And you wouldn't dare, right? Because it's such a special place. So there's not a whole lot that they can do with it, which is probably exactly what they need this year. Also, Mike Davis has stepped down, so he's not part of the course setup, which I think is a huge advantage for everybody going forward. And I wanted to talk really briefly about this this idea. And, And when I heard about it, I wasn't exactly sure how this would work out. But the USGA actually brought on... Jason Gore, a former PGA Tour player, former winner, I think it was Lumber 84, they won, um, and a guy that a, a lot of players like, a really, just a nice guy, um, always pleasant, uh, always a great interview, just a, just a cool dude, right, just a nice guy, and he now is helping the USGA, and at first you kind of wondered, are they just doing it to sort of appease all of us who had a problem with how the USGA was doing things, or were they really going to leverage his experience, leverage his, uh, leverage his relationships with the players, just leverage his personality and who he is just as a nice guy and, and, and really make these things better. And I was, I was kind of happy to read a, an article last night from the Golf Channel about how they have been using Jason Gore, and he is involved in the setup of the course. They are talking to him which has really never been done before. They are actually asking for his opinion. He is actually walking around and helping them make decisions based on how a player, a professional tour player, would play the course. I cannot see how that's not going to help things. So I'm actually feeling more positive now than I have in a very long time. Um, The new gentleman who's setting the course up, and I hope I haven't, I hope I can remember his name 
Bodenhammer, Bodenhammer, I think is his name. He is now setting up the course, and he said that he, he is actually working closely with Jason Gore, and they are making sure that the course is set up nicely for the players. I thought that was great news. So looking forward to seeing how Pebble Beach looks. All the reports coming out is that it's gorgeous. Um, I've been looking at some of the photography that some of the, the, the photographs and that uh, Evan Schiller has done recently at Pebble Beach, and they are amazing. So uh, it look, all looks great. And I know I've mentioned it, but I'm still geeking out and excited that the one and only, my mentor, Fred Shoemaker, will be out at Pebble Beach watching the tournament. And he is going to join us after to tell us how he felt the tournament went. And we're going to have a lot of great talk about golf. The man knows more about golf than anybody I've, I've ever talked to. And it's so fun when he's able to, to share his experiences and his um sort of interpretation of how the U.S. Open went will be awesome. And, and he lives in Carmel. He knows Pebble Beach. He knows all the courses out there uh, intimately. And so it will be cool to see how he felt the course was set up. I, and, I, and we will ask him. It's going to be cool to see how that goes. But what I wanted to do today is very similar to what we've done at the previous majors. I've gone and geeked out, pulled out some data. I went to PGATour.com, to their stats page, pulled out a lot of stuff. I went through and pulled out strokes gain numbers for a lot of different, uh, a lot of different uh, players. Uh, I first, uh, I guess, let's set this up properly. So what I do first is I always go to the Las Vegas odds maker, makers. They are data experts. They are statisticians. They are so impressive. I went to UNLV as a university student, and we would try to um, figure out how the Las Vegas, how the odds makers were so good at what they did. And I was in, uh, I, I studied economics, and so we did a lot of stats, and they were so good. I mean, they are obviously amazing statisticians, so I always go there first. One, because they do a lot of the heavy lifting for uh, data geeks like me. Uh, they'll come out and they'll say, hey, here are the top 20. So I went and grabbed those individuals who are in essentially the top 18, because I stopped at the 40, 40 to 1 odds. And, uh, and then took those, in, those guys in, went and pulled a bunch of strokes game numbers for them for the year. And then you look at the course, right, Pebble Beach, and you try to adjust for the course that they're playing. Pebble Beach, obviously, is a little shorter course, so the Bombers aren't going to have a huge advantage. Um, they let the rough grow out a little bit. They have, it has the smallest greens on tour, so you take that in consideration. So um, proximity to the hole then becomes important because you're also putting on Poana greens, which can get quite bumpy, especially in the afternoon. So you take that all into consideration. You create this sort of weird kind of formula and you throw all the numbers in and you spit it out and you see how it goes. Obviously with the Masters, it didn't go so well. I picked Justin Rose based on all the numbers and he didn't even make the cut. So ouch, that didn't work. Data, data lost there in a big way. And then, and, and Tiger Woods was, I don't know, like 10th. So, but Tiger Woods at the Masters, right? Those are things that you can really take into consideration and be accurate with. Uh, Tiger Woods was just special that week, and there was nothing anybody else could do about it. And then for the PGA Championship, um, did def Brooks Kepka, he's a tough one. Um, the, the Vegas odds makers have him as one of the favorites. Uh, Brooks, Dustin, and Rory are all 9-1, to one, um, have 9-1 to one odds by the odds maker. So they are the three favorites for the tournament. Tiger Woods is in fourth at 10 to one. And Phil Mickelson picks up the end at 40 to one. But they are sort of, Brooks Kepka in this group, the rest you can, Rory and, and Dustin Johnson, they play well and are very consistent all the time. 
but Brooks Kepka just doesn't seem to play as well when it's not a major. So his numbers are always a little askewed, and so you have to sort of adjust for that. And I tried to do that by um, giving the Vegas odds a little more weight than I normally would, but it still didn't work. Brooks still didn't finish in the top 10. So he's an outlier. He's pretty interesting that way. If it's not a major, he doesn't seem to be interested. So we'll just go with it. I couldn't, I couldn't overcome that even using the odds makers because he really doesn't show up very well in any of the other uh, stats that we use to try to figure these things out. So I've got this list here of 18 people and then we went and tried to figure out what that was going to mean after it all shook out. So um, we looked at, I mentioned we looked at stroke gain. Essentially the formula became this. I'll just read it to you. So stroke gain T to green, stroke screen, a stroke gain around the green because the greens are so small, they're gonna miss a few greens. So can you get up and down? Uh, strokes gain putting because Poana greens are tough to putt on and the best putters seem to putt okay there. Or those who have experience like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson where they've grown up on Poana greens and they're comfortable on them. There is definitely a factor there. If you know and understand how to putt on those coastal Poana greens, you have an advantage. And it's shown that historically to be so. They tend to putt better. Those that grew up there tend to putt better than everybody else. Okay, so we try to factor that in just a little bit, and then the Vegas odds, driving accuracy, and proximity to the hole. Wrap that all up, weight it a little bit based on the small greens, and, and then put it all together. And then add it all up. It's kind of a, a weird way because stroke, in order to do well in strokes gain, they rank you by how well you have played. So the lower the number, the better. And so we actually have to back out the rest of the numbers to make them. So the lower the number, the better. And then we add it all up and rank them and we come out with the numbers. And so here are what we've got for the top 10 of those 18 that uh, the Vegas odd makers say will probably win. So coming in in 10th spot with 314 points, Hideki Matsuyama. And then coming in in 9th spot would be a Justin Thomas, who was a 30 to 1. Uh, favorite to win. Then you come in at uh, eighth spot, Tommy Fleetwood, 35 to 1. Okay, so not bad there. You've got Ricky Fowler then coming in at uh, seventh place, 22 to 1. Xander Shoffley comes in at sixth place, 28 to 1. So a decent, uh, decent bet there, really, at fifth place, 28 to 1. Tiger Woods, you've got coming in in fifth place at 10 to 1. Adam Scott, who has done, his stats have been so solid all year, he was actually, he and Dustin Johnson were the two that looked like they would compete for the PGA Championship, and they played well, right? They played pretty well. But uh, Dustin obviously finishing second to his good buddy Brooks and making that, uh, he's got the career grand slam in seconds, to which he said, oh, awesome, and obviously didn't care very much. But So Adam Scott coming in in fourth, in fourth place, with his performance numbers and everything at a 31 to a 35 to one shot. So as far as the long shot with the best numbers, it would be Adam Scott looks very strong at fourth. Dustin Johnson comes in at third and he had nine to one odds was one of the leaders going in. And so I, even with all the waiting that I tried to do here, um, Dustin Johnson comes in third, Patrick Cantlay comes in at 16. He's got 16 to one odds, but he comes in at second place. And I've talked about this uh, earlier when he had, when, when he just won at uh, Jack's place, that um, his consistency numbers are 
interesting, and we always look at how many tournaments they've entered and how many cuts they've made, and, and do the math there and see what their consistency number is. Patrick Cantley actually has moved up into the elite player, which is 80 to 90% cuts made. So he has been playing well. He had a lot of injuries, a lot of promise. Everybody thought he would come and take the tour by, by storm. He was the number one ranked amateur in the world for a number of weeks, almost, I think, a year. Uh, close friends with Jack Nicholas, who has been kind of a mentor. So everything seems to be looking really good for Patrick Cantley right now, which is cool, right? After everything that he's been to, this is really cool. But he comes in at second place. So ladies and gentlemen, your victor, for the 2019 U.S. Open, based on data that has been weighted accurately, so oh so accurately, your winner will be Rory McIlroy. Um, obviously, just coming off a big win in Canada to go back to back with two national opens would be quite a feat. But based on the data, Rory McIlroy should be, and it's not bad, right? Based on the data, based on strokes gained, based on how I tried to weight it for that particular course for Pebble Beach, all of that, it didn't matter. Roy McIlroy still comes out on top as the projected winner for the 2019 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach Golf Links. We'll see how it goes. Really excited for the tournament to start. Um, it will be so fun to have all four rounds at one place. Normally at the AT&T, we've got them scattered all over the place. Um, we've got them at NPCC, we've got them up at Spyglass, and then they don't really have the cameras everywhere, and so we don't always get to see all the players, and then they always throw in the celebrities and the, the richy riches that paid a whole bunch of money in order to get in there, and I know it's for charity and all that, but I am afraid nobody wants to watch them play. No offense, fellas, thanks for all your success. But no. and, and ladies, there's also ladies in there as well, so uh, pardon me, but yeah, not... Uh, um, yeah, not interested in watching any of that. Uh, Condoleezza Rice is actually pretty awesome to watch. But still, you know, one and then move on. Please don't interview him. Not interested. But whatever. We don't have any of that this week. It's just the best players in the world on one of the best courses in the world. What uh, Mike Davis called a national treasure. Hopefully so. And hopefully I think Jason Gore will make sure that it can maintains that status as a natural a national treasure but the best players in the world on one of the best courses in the country and in the world playing what is supposed to be the toughest test in golf in the world should be an awesome weekend so please enjoy it we get started uh, get started tomorrow may or may not do podcasts it just kind of depends on how uh, everything goes but if we don't uh, enjoy and until next time, this is Aaron Stewart saying better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com. And we'll see you on the next episode.